Wow. Did we just play that live for people? Does that mean we're recording? Does that mean this is it? Son of a bitch. Look at that. Wow. I haven't even checked my watch yet. All right, there we go. Hey, it's we just played Circle of Heat, uh, the recorded live in front of one, two, three, four. 500 people here that stuck around after your show. Derek, this is amazing. Anyway. Justin, this is the first time you're doing the podcast live. Is that true with, with people from a show? This is. I'm going to do a proper setup here, oh, Derek. Okay. I'm, uh, whatever your name is, guest yeah. number one here. This is number, uh, this is No Laugh Track Podcast, and we have people in the audience here. This is awesome. Episode number 176. My name is Justin Severson, and uh, my guest this week has been here before. Uh, yeah, he had the biggest summer of anyone I know, I think. It's Derek Hughes. Hey, Derek! Justin, nice to see you. I don't even know where to start with you right now. First of all, I'm super hyped. I, I snuck in here and saw the end of the show. Oh, great. Yeah, um, but there's a billion things I want to talk to you about because you had the greatest summer ever. It was quite a journey, and uh, I think it, it all started on this very podcast talking with Emily uh, Emily Galati. That's right. Yes, last and, Christmas time. That's right. Yeah, we, uh, we did uh, no laugh track as a as a team. That's right. That week, and when I was featuring with her, and we were talking about reality TV, and I was thinking about throwing my name in the hat of America's Got Talent. So you honestly, because I have now since then have felt that you just didn't tell me that you kept it no, under we your hat, about it, kept it under your really cool done, hat. Uh, she had done um, last comic standing. And, you know, I was asking all my friends who had participated in any kind of reality show as solo performer artists, you know, what their experience was. Because, you know, I didn't want to look like a dick. Right. Yeah. So, I decided to do it. When were the tryouts for America's Got Talent? How? Okay. Um, what happened, sort of the reason, the reason I got into that show is uh, at the top of the year... Um, Charlene. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. They're they're Warby Parker. They're very cheap. <laughs> Acme manager par excellence just whacked me in the face. With yeah. the, uh, no, it's okay. It's okay. I'll heal. If anybody knows what wants to know what it sounds like when a microphone hits glass, you there it was. <laughs> I think it's plexi. Um, so Charlene and I were talking about, you know, we have babies now, and, and uh, I've been having a fantastic, uh, you know, run working the college market. I have probably the best college agent uh, in the market, uh, Sue Boxrod at the, uh, the college agency. She's fantastic, and anybody that's been repped by her can tell you that. Uh, she's, she's sitting right there. Hi, Sue. Thanks for... Thanks for the thousands and thousands and thousands of shows. I honestly, I didn't know that the person you're talking about is here. I'm like, wow, where is this going? Why is he gushing over this woman? What? Okay. So, Hi. You know, uh, but she's been, Sue has been keeping me really busy touring colleges, uh, you know, throughout the year and um, supporting the family. And Charlene and I were talking about how to, how to bump to the next level of, mm-hmm. of, uh, of this crazy career. Of being a you know a gypsy magician, mm-hmm. right? A full-grown man with a bag of tricks, <laughs> and uh, and TV was the answer. You know, I mean, really, I have a lot of friends who have been getting a lot of exposure on television, and I can see directly how it's it's just moving everything forward, and and you know, turning turning their work on to producers who who uh, get the vision and uh, help you know help them 
take the next step. And so I just thought TV. I got to do TV. And I didn't quite know what that meant. And then have you had you ever tried out for Last Comic Standing? No, I haven't. Uh, you know, Barry Katz, he got me on the lineup for an early season of it many years ago. You know, he's like, I can get you a direct to the, you know, panel, like a direct to the on camera audition where you're not standing in line. But I would have had to gone to Seattle. And at the time, I was like pretty flush doing a lot of commercial work. And I had some, you know, episodic television happening. I was like, I'm not flying to Seattle. <laughs> Screw your opportunity. And Barry's very, very supportive. And I and looking in, hind- in hindsight, that was a very cool thing for him to offer. Um, but no, no, I hadn't I had not tried out because I really did have, um, you know, an ego around, you know, I'm an artist and I, I and art doesn't have a place in a contest. Um and and then I had babies. <laughs> like, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm not an artist. <laughs> I'm going to be a contestant. Uh, so um, so that decision was made. And you know, I think I think often when you make a decision, shit starts to happen even out of your control to a certain extent. And I was approached by uh, casting from AGT. I, that someone had forwarded a link to a YouTube video and they got turned on to what I was doing and said, Hey, we want you to oh, okay. audition. And, uh, and so I didn't have to do the cattle call when I was, uh, when I was in my journey, you know, did I you play, did you ever play hardball and go, well, how far am I going to make it? I didn't, I didn't play hardball <laughs> and say, how far am I going to make it? I did. Uh, I did say I'm really busy. So if it works out, I'll, I'll, I'll do the audition. And um, they were in L.A. for about a week doing auditions. And I was at Embry-Riddle in Arizona working probably my favorite college to work, actually. The venue at this aeronautic college is it's like a semi-circle, um, heavily raked auditorium. So the, the sight lines for what I do are perfect and I've had some of my best college shows at this awesome. school in Arizona. So I was out of town during the uh you know most of the auditions that were happening in LA at the Dolby and these were the direct on camera auditions happening in front of the judges, you know. Um you know with a lot of the people who had made it through the initial cattle call and and doing the auditions for just producers at tables not on camera and all that. Um and I, they had two 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 auditions that day. The day I was returning, morning audition and, and afternoon auditions. I was like, I can only make it to the afternoon auditions, you know, because I'm flying in that morning. Yeah. And they made that happen. They were like, okay, we got your spot. And I actually was the almost the very last audition of the day. There was one woman that went after me, and she was the final LA audition before they flew off to to do the New York auditions. So, uh, you know, very, very end of their journey. The judges were exhausted. The crew was already starting to feel the burn of what this show is, which is, it is a giant machine. It is unbelievable how hard everybody works on that show. The producers, the crew, those judges. I mean, everybody's burning the, burning the candle yeah. at both ends yeah, to yeah. make that show happen. Uh, and I was, I was shocked, you know, actually. Because when you're there, it's raw, it's all over the place, it's chaotic, and then you watch an episode, and it's just, it's, it's a masterpiece. I mean, they're just masters of telling story and pulling heartstrings and uh, showcasing variety entertainment. 
when that the first episode that you did that one was televised they put that on tv yeah. yes and that was the hashtag butt card yeah hashtag butt card nice yeah yeah i wish i i wish i could I, you I wish, do you own hashtag butt card can I, you put that on t-shirt uh i i probably could i probably could you know I call the trick ace in the hole, and I think that's a much better hashtag. And yeah. if you're not familiar, it's uh, I pulled a card out of my ass. And that was an interesting thing because in my, in, my, uh, in my club set at the time, my closer was ace in the hole. Right. I would go through this whole, my whole show. You know, I opened with this uh, really fun uh, sort of parody of magic rope routine, and then I went into some card material and then, uh, and then uh, did some ESP. And, uh, okay, so they were like, out of all the tapes that we've seen, we want you to do Ace in the Hole. We want you to do the, the card from Butt Trick. Oh, they told you that? They asked for it. And oh. I was like, well, let me, let me tell you, that is something I do on stage after I've been with an audience for a good 45 or 50 minutes. And I've gained their trust, and they know that I'm coming from a place of love, and I'm not just some guy that wants to expose his ass. You yeah. know? And to do it in, in a period of 90 seconds... Um, I'm a little hesitant, you know, cause yeah, uh, yeah, 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 right. Cause it's a bombastic parody of the venue. Yeah. Uh -huh. It really is. Uh, so, <laughs> but, but they really were adamant. They're like, we really want you to do that. We really think you should do that. Huh? And I was like, you know what? I have nothing to lose. And I kind of, I almost want to retire the thing because you know what? You walk around for 45 minutes with a card pinched in your ass. <laughs> You do that on a regular basis. You don't want to do that anymore. Uh, but I did it and got moved on. There's not one there now. Just Yeah, there is because I didn't do it in the show tonight. And, but I'm always ready. It's such a killer effect. You know, at a moment's notice. Waiting for a request, I'm sure. Yeah. Right? Um, so, uh, so I did that. And when I when – I, Put that close my closer as my opener. You know, part of that was inspired, you know, in theory by Louis C.K. Because this guy, he's so prolific. He's a hero of mine. I admire what he does and what he talks about and how he talks about it. And he makes me laugh so hard. And he talked about, I've heard him talk about, how he will work up a show and, and, and develop a killer closer, right? Just the strongest thing. And then the next season... He opens with that closer, okay. forcing him to push to find a better closer, you know? Yeah. And I thought, wow, that's, that's bold. So, okay, I'll open with my closer. And since, since that happened, I, 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 made, a, I made a choice. The, as far as I can get in this journey on America's Got Talent, I'm going to work through my act backwards. And if you look at the chronology of the effects I did, it is my act in reverse. And my finale performance was a version of my opener. Now, remind me, you, you sort of prefaced it. You set it up like that on the show, right? I mean, like, I you did, actually I, I said did. that, like, hey, summer. just so everybody knows, this you know, is the opener. Yep, yeah, I did. I did. As, you know, as part of the reality package, uh, you know, in the interviews, I, w I, I, I did not hide the fact that this is probably the most important showcase audition of my life to date. So I'm not messing around. I'm, I'm going to start with my strongest thing. And I got nothing <laughs> after that. And, and for that first episode, I really played that, yeah. that angle. Which is nuts on that show. You know, they do hours of interviews. Hours of interviews that get edited down to 30 seconds of soundbite. 
So it was nerve-wracking, you know, knowing, talking with, like, Emily. She wasn't very happy with how she had been painted on Last Comic Standing. Oh, she has, yeah. You know, and, and to no fault of her own. And, uh, you know, I can, I can defend her here and say, you know, producers put her in an outfit on that show. They dressed her. They costumed her. And when she performed, the judges commented negatively on her attire. And that's what was her demise. Yeah. That just seemed so skeezy and, and shady and, and Hollywood. I, and Hollywood. And I, and I had no idea how they were going to represent me. Right. So I tried to develop a, kind of a, a stump speech of information about myself that I wanted to share, you know? And sure. And just kind of rotated through that in these long interviews. Now um, your wife got on. Yeah. On TV. She did. With these interviews. Was she excited about that? Or she like, eh, they're going to... She hated it because she's not a performer. She's yeah. very shy. We met... She was behind the scenes, you know, at the Comedy and Magic Club. She was uh, she was the talent coordinator for Ian Begg's live talk show. And that's where we met. Ian had me on as a guest. For uh, Years ago, Ian was doing a live talk show once a month at Comedy and Magic. It was awesome. He was the host. He would do... You know, he'd open with a monologue. And then he, he did panel. No shit. Was, yeah, it was great. And they had, like, video segments. And uh, I wonder if any of it's online. Uh, but, you know... Do you know Ian? I mean, of course. He was here. Uh, he was on No Laugh Track like a month or two before he kicked ass all summer on Last Comic Standing. He's so great. He's one of the he best. De- he deserved that so much. You know, yeah. the, the most frustrating thing with Ian's career is he is so incredible with crowd work and his improvisation is uh, just parallel yeah. to none. Yeah. And TV's a hard sell with improv and TV's a hard sell with crowd work. They want a script. They want to know the time it comes in at and they want to make sure, you know, there's nothing to, to risk. So someone of Ian's talent has a hard time finding a voice on television, and I was really glad he did so well. I want to ask you more about your family, Derek. Yeah, yeah. Did the kids, I saw the, the kids were on as well. Yeah. Did they get, how, what, what did you... Interesting, right? What the, do they uh, get? What do they, they see they, as dad on TV, and now they're filming me and mom? What's going on? They were superstars at school. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they were uh, um excited and we were nervous because you know like i lucked out that first audition in that waiting area that they had the duncan duncan lounge or the you know you don't have to say duncan anymore oh i don't no oh it's hammered into me no i love duncan america runs (laughs) on duncan um no better coffee (laughs) they uh i happened to have wi-fi connection i happen to have enough battery and I wanted to FaceTime them. I knew my audition was coming up. So I was like, I'm going to FaceTime my kids. So they're like, get a camera over here. So I lucked out that, A, they were home and picked up. B, they were adorable and yeah, not yeah. assholes. Which, yeah. you know, it could have gone either way. Sure. And Not now, Derek. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> right. Uh, and C, the camera guy was able to pull focus yeah. on this great moment with these guys you know, wishing me luck for my big audition. Mm -hmm. And that really, that I say I lucked out because I really didn't know how they were going to paint me, um, in the show. Cause I have no, no control over the final edit. And on June 2nd, I was, uh, I was in Atlanta working on a different production behind the scenes on a friend's, uh, television project. And, uh, the, the creative team all gathered together in, in one of our apartments. And, uh, I bought a bottle of Patron and made margaritas, nice. and we watched my premiere on America's Got Talent. And I was near the very end. Yeah, we didn't know it, so we're all watching, and we're realizing, my God, am I, am I headlining the uh, episode? <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then when I saw how 
adorable and touching the family angle was and i got choked up sure i was like holy crap a lot of people a lot of people watching that did yeah it was really amazing and uh and i got really excited and i got really nervous because it was like oh shit this like i'm gonna move forward and this might be good yeah you know Uh uh-huh it was that that night you know seeing it for the first time was like wow this is uh this is a big deal this could be a big deal. It's uh, do you how do you, how do you so you didn't win? Spoiler alert: you didn't win. You didn't win the show. I didn't. No, you didn't win. Uh, but uh, the year before, now I've heard a lot of people. We would have conversations here at the club. We would have updates when I would come in on Wednesdays. Sure. Like, did you guys see Derek on America's Got Talent last night? And then our, our talk here among at the club was that uh, man, a magician won that last year. He's probably effed. Little bit, yeah. right? Possibly. I'll tell you, it was that magician who forwarded my tape to producers. Oh, what's his name? Matt Franco. Yeah. And I was actually working for him for a little bit, um, the preliminary stages of production on his TV show. He got an NBC television special. Yeah. And knew me through the college market. He was a big college guy. He was a fan of what I do. So he called me and we actually had his production company call and say, would Derek come in and and help you know lay the groundwork for this uh, this endeavor? And it was while we were hanging out there. He's like, "Would you consider doing AGT?" And I was like, "Well, you tell me. How's it how's it going, Mister NBC Network yeah. Special? We're working uh-huh. on right now. Uh-huh. Okay, <laughs> sure. Yeah. And uh, so, I, with that in mind, I, I wasn't even hoping to win. I was hoping to get one." Maybe two right. really high quality network network level promo tapes that I could use for more college work and corporate work and club dates. Now, there's no show that they bring. Are there, is there a America's Got Talent traveling yeah, show? Yeah, a touring show. Yeah, there Jerry is. Williamson was just hosting the most recent one. He was a runner up a couple years ago. Great stand up. And you're not part of that? Uh, they have an option to invite me. Um, and they. They have a lot of options. It's a big contract. I guess. The verbiage is scary. Yeah. Uh, ownership in all known media, uh, now known or yet to be invented in all the known universe. Hmm. At least it's the known universe. So I, I can still, you know, I can still do my own thing in the parallel dimension. There's hope. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. Um, wow. But here, I, I, you know signing that contract you had to sign a secondary contract going into the the live rounds and it was even more intense like scary you know like you know like geez man i don't i don't know like am i going to be able to do my thing and i called taylor and i said hey man this contract's freaking me out he's like look uh the year after i did that show i made a lot of money and they didn't want any of it and I guess that's all I really needed to hear. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I get it. They want to protect themselves. So if you're making a millions and millions of dollars, they want a part of that. Well, that sounds okay. You know? <laughs> I'll take if my someone, chances. Some, if some, well, hey, man, if someone wants a part of millions and millions of dollars, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Have at it. How soon did you uh, notice like uh, the crowds changing for you? Uh, it's only now after, after the fact, really, because my first audition aired on June 2nd and that was the second episode. So they had six more episodes of preliminary auditions and then the judge cuts happened 
and I was on the final judge cuts. So it was a two-month span from my first appearance to my second appearance. So it was only once we went into the live rounds, which was every other week oh, at yeah. Radio City, and there was a real kind of momentum to the finale that I started getting calls from you know corporate clients saying, hey, uh, we got this event in October, we have this event in January, what's your rate, are you available? And I was, I was on my phone booking gigs at Radio City during rehearsals. Look at that. It was awesome because I was able to take a picture and text it to the guy. You know, yeah. He's like, "Oh my God, you made me the coolest dad in the world." You know? <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I realized. You know, I think. I think um, the journey has also helped me understand uh, a little better. You know, the idea of a fan base. I'm always. I've always been very uncomfortable with that idea. Okay. I feel like you know who who are who's anybody to you know have fans. But then I I started realizing like I I'm a fan. Sure. I'm a fan of Louis C.K. I'm a fan of Sarah Silverman. I'm a fan of. You know, I'm a fan, and yeah. uh, maybe maybe that's a possibility. Maybe I have, I could have fans and people who would want to tell people about what I'm doing. And yeah, it's okay, it's okay, it. Derek. You can it's you so can be successful. You can be successful. It's okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know that that they were so into social media. You know, they have a whole department of awesome social media guys and gals who are you know helping you take pictures and encouraging you to post and. And it was sort of that was stim inspiring me to take these candid shots and share them with these people yeah. that were reaching out. And I and I and I saw firsthand how excited they were to participate. You know, um, must have been fun watching like your Twitter followers go. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it was. It is though. You know, you can't help but compare. And there are there were some other performers whose. Twitter, you know, numbers just jumped, and I, I, I moved from. Oh, let me tell you, the regurgitator is very witty on Twitter. Is he? No, I'm, I have oh. no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> um, he just says the same thing again. again. Uh, Stevie Star's awesome. You know, he's been in the biz for a long time. Honestly, Derek, I think I saw him on a. I remember seeing him on a daytime talk show, like when I stayed home from school, sick, like twenty-five years ago. When he first think, came on, Howard said you were one of my first guests on my first radio. I show, believe it. You know, yeah, way back in the day. But he's unique. No, really, he's wonderful and so unique. David Blaine's been kind of, uh, you know, courting him to give him some of the DL on uh, his technique. And Stevie's response is literally, "I, I couldn't even teach you." I assumed that was what the. Don't you kind of? I don't know what how he does that, but me neither. I don't. I think of him as a magician, though. Yeah, right. With a great thing, <laughs> you know, with a great framing, <laughs> a really disgusting, awesome framing. <laughs> when he regurgitates the uh, whatever it is, and then hands it to someone, and then has them touch it. That. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, is there some dirt you can give, like? Um, I don't know. Not, I mean, you got to be around Heidi Klum and Howie Mandel and Howard Stern. And I, and I'll tell you, I, I really try to – there's so much going on when you're on that stage in front of these people and your time is very limited. But I, I, re, I, I had this thought like these people are, are making it. They're, they have careers. They have other projects. You know, All of them have other shows that they're doing um, outside of America's Got Talent. And, you know, they're, they've got some information. 
So when they were giving feedback as inane as some of it can be. Uh, I just don't get comedy. I don't know what to <laughs> Exactly. All right. Well, then we're. I tried to have my feelers out, you know, and really be connecting with them and like listening and taking in like this advice. Like maybe, maybe they have a key that could open the next door in some way. And so to just stand there and be nervous and, and block everything out because uh, what a whirlwind. I really tried to keep that in check. Were you cool being in front of these uh, crowds at Radio City and being – it was live, right? Live. Yeah. I mean what – Radio City is the largest indoor venue in the country. It's yeah. 6,000 people. And then you think of the cameras, another 13 to 15 million people yeah. live yeah. doing magic. I never want to do magic on live television again. No control. 20 cameras. And who knows what angle is being picked up at any given time. I was freaking out. Uh, the fact that I didn't expose any magic is my greatest triumph. Yeah, I bet. On that show. Um, but when the first camera blocking at Radio City, I took my camera phone, I took you know my phone with me, and I took a picture from my mark of the auditorium so I could then reference it when I was rehearsing. Ah. So there was no surprises. I could look at that picture and go, this is what I will be seeing. That's going to be it. So I wouldn't be freaked out. And then they told me where my camera was, like what the what the main camera for my coverage would be. And it was slightly um, up and to the left from my point of view. So back at the Sheraton, I took a post-it note and put it on the headboard, <laughs> slightly up and to the left. And I rehearsed the shit out of my 90-second routine. Yeah. Playing to a post-it note. Wow. And <laughs> There's showbiz. I'm telling you, you know, I... <laughs> So when I finally got out there, when I finally walked out in front of that crowd and in front of those live cameras, I'd done it 200 times Yeah, already. So that was – that's what – I tricked myself. I'm so proud of you, man. Hey, thanks, man. I'm so proud of you. Going back to the kids, you know, having them be on TV. They saw themselves on TV and they loved it and they would see me on TV. But here's what I noticed. It wasn't a big deal. And I think I know why. Hmm. When I'm touring, we FaceTime. Oh, they and say goodnight. Sure. So, Daddy on a screen is not a big deal. Yeah. And you know, for us, you know, video cameras were like, oh my God, you're in a. Oh look, I'm on the TV. You know, I like, still remember when Carol Levin showed up to my elementary school, and I used to when I went like this in second grade. Or what about then, what about walking into Target and you can see the security monitor watching <laughs> the door, and you stand there and wave. <laughs> I'm on TV. You know, it's honey, like, we're on the kiss cam. Uh, TV yeah. and, and filmed media. That's is, true. It's ubiquitous yeah. in our world now. So I think they were just like, whatever. As you, uh, since being on the show and having all those people see you and getting new fans, have you, has it forced you to come up with some new tricks? Uh, that is my big goal because I really burned my act, you know? Yeah. And TV does that. <laughs> you know, you think of vaudeville. Vaudeville was a space where variety artists would develop an act and master it, and then they could have a career doing that act you know on the vaudeville circuit for sure. the rest of their life yeah and then somebody invents the moving picture and they film those acts and now that person can't work anywhere with their act because people it's you know they can ship the film and screen it for cheaper and uh tv burns creative energy 
like you can't imagine. You know, working on this uh, hidden camera magic show, we're just about to dive. You know, right from here, I fly to Atlanta and dive into three and a half months of production on the back order of uh, a hidden camera magic show. It's called the Carbonaro Effect. Oh, you've been telling me about this for years. Yeah, I think. And, I mean, it started as these uh, short spots on, on the Tonight Show. Yeah, Jay yeah. Leno's Tonight Show. And my buddy Michael Carbonaro uh, was cast, you know, in this role of uh, this clerk at a, at a convenience store. But he would – magic stuff would happen. Yeah. And uh, we created a bunch of content for a pilot after, uh, you know, eight spots, eight turns on The Tonight Show. And True picked it up, and it's become a hit. And we're – like we're going into the, the fourth order of 13 episodes. Nice. Which is amazing and daunting because it's – over 150 original effects, and uh, you know we're producing it at breakneck pace, and you know, and what? we can't repeat material, and it's just it's a, it's a real. Are you appearing on camera on that show? Um, I will in a in a sort of peripheral sense, like because a lot of the bits are sort of like. Um, Cons. We're conning people into thinking they're in a situation that's legitimate. So, like, uh, you know, we might work in a space that has a security guard presence, and I, I will be that security guard presence. Have um, you ever got to wear the glasses with the camera in them? No. Oh. No. That'd be fun. <laughs> you make me think of that Delta, uh, the the safety video right now. There's a guy who puts on Google Glass. He's like, internet on. Scroll, scroll. Favorite. <laughs> I haven't seen it. It's, per it's brilliant. He's so deadpan. Um, Someone's seen it. Yeah, no, it's funny. The hides for the cameras are ridiculous. Like, I, I can't... You, you, working on a hidden camera show, you realize how little we pay attention to anything. Mm -hmm. These people walk into the most awkward architecture sometimes with mirrors in the weirdest places and don't question a thing, you know? Uh, just putting people in that, you know what though? You can go, you go, like, I, I sit there and analyze myself. Like, should I be paying more attention to like, do you want to walk around being the cool guy? Like, eh, I don't notice anything. Or are you the, uh, like, mmm, something's out of place and now I'm totally throwing me off, you know? Like, uh, uh, what am I trying to say here? Like, you know, you could just walk in there, like you're saying, like this odd architecture, you know, it. You either have that in you to notice things like that or you don't. And, you know, that type of person falls for a trick. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Sure. You following? The people who notice are, are people who uh, – the where, where the environment is a regular part of their world. You know, regular customers. They'll come in and they'll go up to Michael, who's the you know the star of the show, and they'll be like, uh, where's Jim? Ah. <laughs> Like, oh, he's, uh, he's uh, you know, on break today or whatever. Oh, that's weird. Okay, well, uh, I need 40 copies of it. Why are these mirrors here? <laughs> oh, they're doing some construction. Oh, okay, okay. Well, when's Jim getting <laughs> You know, and we're not using that guy. No, <laughs> you know, that's no, no, a big no. fail. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it is, it is amazing, though. But I think I just have one last question, and I'm totally moving on from AGT. Okay. Hashtag AGT. Any regrets? Involved in doing that show. Yeah, you know, there was something that happened. You know, I got I got some... The only negative feedback I really got on the show was from my finale performance. And what I'd done was I took a rope routine, that my opener, and I've done it for years where I have a, a relationship with a non-existent sound guy. 
you know, where this music starts and I come out and I'm like all mysterious and I say, get ready for magic. And then I actually, I say, can you, can you cut the music? And the music stops. And so right at the beginning of my show, I'm breaking the fourth wall. I'm breaking the preconceived notion of what magic is and I'm confessing to the audience this isn't magic this is actually a trick okay music and then the music starts up again and I dive back into the performance quote marks and then cut the music again and I explain myself well the reason I'm starting with a trick and not magic blah 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 okay music and then it's back to this mysterious character and it's it it the routine works it is a wonderful opener and it's a very strong magic trick and it's time tested so I did a I did a version of this torn and restored paper effect I've done for many years, but I had an artist friend of mine, Nathan Christopher, make some uh, artwork that looked like a children's storybook, and I printed that on newsprint so I could do the newspaper trick with this story. And I I had this whole sort of concept for one of the one of the uh, one of the earlier auditions on AGT, and I was like, oh my god, I have resources because that went so well, and I could see that they they. Her, took my vision and helped me make it happen. But during the process on that particular piece, the Storm and Re, Torn and Restore piece, uh, I really micromanaged the production of it. I was the producer of my spot on AGT. You know, I was like, no, that needs to be more like this, and the book needs to look like this, and I'm going to be standing here. And, and they were totally cool with that. They respected me and, and let me do my thing. Awesome. So I thought, wow, I can do that again with the rope tricks. So I thought, well, how do I amplify the rope trick? I'll, I'll bring in dancers and I'll have a live band. And that whittled down to just having a DJ and some dancers and, and, the, and I'll have light effects. And then so when I say cut, it's not just the music stopping, but it's lights and movement and sound and, you know, just bumping it up. Mm-hmm. I have a million dollar budget. Yeah. Um, but I was on top of all that, I was adding a brand new magic element, like a secret a secret thing that was new to me and was really, really difficult. And I was so preoccupied with that. I didn't micromanage the production end. So when I said stop, the dancers froze, but I didn't in rehearsals really make them freeze. Uh They kind of moved and were primping and kind of moving around a little bit, but I was so focused on this magic thing. I didn't, I didn't give the notes that I had an impulse to give but then didn't have the time or energy to, uh, you know, yeah. it's like it'll take care of itself. And then like the lighting elements, when I yelled stop uh, on the backdrop, didn't, didn't stop. There was still movement. So I don't think the conceit worked. Wasn't the fully. whole, yeah, I got you. And because and we didn't have the time to really rehearse it, you know, properly. Yeah. And so in hindsight, I would have, I would have been more, demanding of how it needs to be because in the script that i wrote and i wrote it in screenplay for all my I, I scripted everything for them and submitted it in screenplay format like nerd totally <laughs> but they're they're producers and they produce televised content so they're used to that looking at that format yeah, yeah. and in that script it says when he you know the magician yells cut um literally it was the, the original idea was work lights come up like fluorescent you know work mm-hmm. lights all the the rig, everything stops, sure, and it's clearly not a performance. And then it's back into performance, and we weren't able to achieve that, you know, because I didn't demand it. So you, I think next time I have a chance to be on national television, I'm gonna make sure everything is exactly 
the way. When I is that going to be? When are you going to be on national TV again? Yeah, yeah. Do you uh, do you know any producers that are really hip to magic and uh, have have great <clears throat> faith? <laughs> is there another competition show we can get you on? You know, I was thinking about doing like. Uh, Dancing Brit- with the Stars! Brit- Come on! Britain's Got Talent. Britain's Got Britain's Talent. Britain's Got Talent. Um, Big Brother. Uh, they do. They do the one with the celebrity Big Brother. Right. Yeah. Okay. Huh? Uh, no. No. <laughs> Real Housewives. You know. No. I'm trying to think. Like I'm really racking my brain. Like what? What would I like to do for ten years? And some ideas are forming, but. Nothing's nothing's solid and crystal right now, but I think it's you know forming a a real clear vision is the only way you know that kind of thing comes to pass. What do you have booked for the next you know six months year? Well, right now I'm I'm really looking at just the three and a half months diving in you know behind the scenes on Carbonaro. Right, right, right. Um, I have some club dates and uh and uh some college dates during that time. Uh, and some corporate things that are happening uh, that are fun. They're challenging because, you know, uh, I, I, I'm tasked with integrating, you know, a, a sales meetings themes into my performance. <laughs> and it's 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 challenging. Who do they send? Who do they send to you with that message? Like, uh, you're going to make sure we're going to, you know, try to get in Bill's name from accounting. It's conference calls. With ten people, man, you know it's corporate, corporate meeting. <laughs> it you know, and uh, so there's a lot of questions and there's a lot of you know a lot of paperwork shuffling back and forth. And, yeah, but I I love it. You know, I think that's it's hard work, but uh, it also you know that kind of thing uh, pays pretty good too. Yeah. So I I was reading between the lines. I know I know what those corporate gigs mean. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've been so busy recently. Uh, have you had a chance to fall in love with the new Adele album, like the rest of America? I really haven't. What? I haven't. No, I know. I, Ra- I've heard the song. Raise your hands, Adele. Adele. How many people are singing voice. Adele? Yeah, see, look at yeah. that. But my my I, wife showed me the uh, the SNL uh, Thanksgiving So funny. Sketch, I loved it. But I'd never seen the video, so I was like, I don't know what Not, they're parodying. You know what? You, know, you don't even need to. Just the fact that every, it's Adele mania everywhere. She my is, wife is obsessed. Though. My wife, uh, two years ago, or what? Four years ago, the last time uh, you know Adele had an album out. She, my wife, took cut out pictures of Adele. I'm saying this now. She doesn't listen to the podcast anymore, mm-hmm. and she doesn't. She didn't show up tonight. She wasn't feeling well. So uh, she made listening to Adele. She, I guarantee, she's listening to Adele laying in bed. Uh, she made a collage and put and has it framed, and it is in our house right now of Adele. So, so let me yeah. ask you, like, is that is that like a vision board for her? Like, is is she inspired? No, by I, like, you know, she is not a singer. So no, okay. no. Well, and I would not be. I'm not being a jerk by saying that she's not a singer. <laughs> she's Quantum of Solace. She's not a singer. That's a great Bond song. <laughs> yeah, it was her, right? Didn't she do the uh, the Bond intro music? For Quantum oh, uh, for Adele. Amazing. Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 that's right. No, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I yeah. just haven't had a, had a chance to tune into her uh, to 25, you know? And is that... Is she 25? Uh, yeah, I think that... Is she really? Yeah, she looks older. Can we say that and not be mean? She just looks older. Mature, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like a woman. 25 doesn't strike me as someone who could create that. 
Mm. Yeah. 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 You want to go have a listening party? Yeah, sure. All right. Sounds good. I, uh, there's, I saw a, I, I Googled the word magic to learn what it is. No, I'm kidding. I, I, uh, to find it. You see, found out it was a, a trading card game. <laughs> there were a lot of stories about magic to the gathering, yes. which th- and thankfully I know nothing about that. Um, no, some guy tried to set a world record and I believe he did doing a trick skydiving. Are you oh, familiar with this? No. Did you watch it? No, but I want your, I, I want your thoughts on that. Uh, Do you, you don't know the trick. So no. you, don't, you don't know what trick he was doing. I, I no. have it saved on my... Uh, don't be looking at my password. Um, he did a trick. It was a, uh, a South Bay man took a run at a world record last week by performing a magic trick 10,000 feet in the air. Okay. Okay. Uh, a 60-year record by transforming a silk handkerchief into a cane while skydiving. Acclaimed magician J.C. Dunn. Is that a name you know? He performed the same act in 1955, Derek. Know your magic history. And he was uh, 5,000 feet above the ground, so I guess the new record is that it's double the distance from uh, above well, ground. Well, at least he's, you know, really, really uh, aggressive in developing new material. Like, we're sitting here talking what what uh, reality show we can get you on next to triple your Twitter followers and make you billions instead of millions of dollars. Maybe you can... 55? 1955? That's correct. Acclaimed magician J.C. Dunn, the, the 1955. The thing is that he, he was skydiving again, clearly in his 80s. He must be, right? No, no. It's, this is, that's the guy who had the old record. Oh. Okay. That's how long the, the record's been guy. standing. the same guy. Yeah, no, okay. no, no. This is a new fella, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I Magic Pete. You know, like, he's really, like, I mean, me and Pete, we are in the same boat. You know, if you really think about it, we're just looking for that thing. <laughs> That's going to catch on. And uh, damn, maybe I need to join Branson's space program and I can be the first guy mm-hmm. to make a cane appear in space. Mm-hmm. I, you know, actually, this guy's a comedy magician. That's your that's your thing, right? Well, I'm stand-up magician. Stand-up magician. Yeah. That's it. Stand-up magician. Uh, you might He might be making a run at you. So, Thank God I didn't drop the cane, he says. We had one shot to get this right. Huh? Uh, no, you know he's what? not funny. You know, thinking about thinking about, I know the methodology on on the cane he's probably speaking of, and uh, I think falling at the force of gravity and and trying to uh, control that particular prop is that's pretty that's admirable. Mm-hmm. That's admirable. Um, <laughs> that's what you're giving him, admirable. That's absolutely admirable. Uh huh. Absolutely. How about uh, underwater? But listen, if he dropped the cane. It would just fall parallel to him. Like he, it's not like it would hit the floor. He would just have to let <laughs> Wait go a for minute. a minute and just reach out and grab it again. You know what I mean? Really, that's not quite the triumph he's making it out to be. <laughs> that, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's very true. Right? Yes. It's the it's the feather and hammer in uh on the moon. Mm hmm. Yeah. I know gravity. I know you do, Justin. I saw gravity. I know gravity, and I saw gravity. Tomorrow, we're we're getting close. It's less than an hour away. Live right now, it's an hour, less than an hour away from Thanksgiving. The Thanksgiving countdown. Yeah. Big. Can I say something? Mm-hmm. About Thanksgiving. And, Please. Uh, this is this is this is heartfelt. I'd like to give a shout out to Andy Ritchie. Oh yeah. Because uh, I met Andy Ritchie at this club, and he's an amazing comic. And he's losing a fight right now, and uh, I think about him a lot. 
right now, especially this week being here at this club. Yeah. With such amazing audiences and, uh, and, uh, I just feel blessed that I, I know him and, uh, I just want to say that. Uh, yeah, that's very good. I, uh, that's very nice of you, Derek. I, I don't know him but i see all my comedian friends posting on facebook all the time so i'm aware but uh here's an andy ritchie joke yeah uh so i've heard this uh ad campaign get high on life you know get high on life isn't life uh why we get high in the first place (laughs) (laughs) fucking andy (laughs) love you andy (laughs) We uh we got a little bit more time here maybe um we've never done one in front of an audience like this before and this was like a sp- sort of a spur of the moment in that it happened uh this decision was made this afternoon so the fact that anyone's here is stuck around is pretty amazing it's amazing I gotta thank you too you know we were scheduled to do this at one in the afternoon oh what's your good excuse by the way now that you have me face to face here's the deal uh I am please don't it be something bad no one's sick right no, no one else is sick absolutely okay not. absolutely not it was totally selfish. Uh, okay. You know, I said I leave Sunday morning for Atlanta, and I and I and my my family goes back to L.A. Um, and I won't see my kids till Christmas. I go home to L.A. on the twenty first, mm. so that's the longest I've been away from the boys. So I'm really trying to protect my days this week with with them. And we went to the children's. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you said that. Yeah. Yeah, downtown St. Paul, and uh, we took them to Mickey's Diner for the first time, and the last time, <laughs> and. Uh, and it was awesome. It was great. And I and I owe you, man, cuz that it was just a fantastic afternoon. No, no. That I I had Aaron Saran, so it worked out well and that great. and that's awesome. The family stuff is more important. Did you say like, "Hey, daddy once saw a vagrant pee over there?" No, no. I pointed at a vagrant pee. <laughs> and uh they were like, "That's interesting, daddy." <laughs> it's just like back home. But cold. Yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Is it, it's co- code. That's Benny. Is there uh are you Black Friday then? Tomorrow's Thanksgiving and then Friday is the shopping day. Yeah. Yeah. How are you gonna spend are you gonna uh go buy a whole bunch of stuff at ridiculously reduced prices somewhere? No, what I'm gonna try to do is find a, a coffee maker for Derek, the manager here at the club. He got married and uh and I missed out on his registry, so uh <laughs> You missed the wedding too. I know. I heard. I heard it was quite the shindig. It was awesome. It was awesome. Well, Derek, I'm I'm ready to do go do a shot or something before I hit the road. Let's do here. it. Yeah. Thank you. Um. Thank you to the five, six, seven, nine hundred people. It's weird. The crowd is it's bigger now than when we started. It's actually Unbelievable. amazing. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. I think this is going to catch on. Oh. Uh, I actually. I. I enjoying this so i hope normally you know thursday nights i'd be you know i'd be uh laying in bed right now getting ready to go yeah, na- with your new wife hey you know what that means yeah i'm reading and she's watching modern family that's what that means <laughs> listening to adele, <laughs> listening to adele. <laughs> do, do we have a question from the audience does anybody have a question for Derek Q&A hughes from the five people that i know very well yeah go ahead shout it out <laughs> embarrass them with something we got we got a minute here anybody want to embarrass them with anything no Tick, tick, tick. Oh, just a cough. Okay. Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> well, I'm glad we did this, Derek. Thanks, Justin. You know what? I take it back. I want to do something for three more minutes here. Yeah. This is going to be fun. This okay. is something I, because uh, I'm going to, I'll regret this if I don't do this. This is something I completely stole from my uh, daughter's uh, backpack 
yesterday. Okay. Yeah. This is a would you rather Thanksgiving and that she had to fill out. I'm going to ask you a couple of these. Okay. So I'll just do a few and then but you can't just say don't just give the answer. You got to say why. All right. Would you rather wash your hair with mashed potatoes or take a bath in gravy? I'd rather wash my hair with mashed potatoes. Why? Because you know, your you, the top of your head doesn't have orifice. Right? And and uh, gravy is viscous. Ooh, viscous. If I'm submerged in gravy, you know. Um, I mean, years of clenching a card, there's some wear and tear. <laughs> and, you know, I just don't want to leak gravy for days on end. Good answer. That's, I, that's the correct answer. By the way, my daughter, uh, she highlighted wash your hair with mashed potatoes, so she agrees with you. Yeah, well, yeah. I can only uh-huh. imagine a female would. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. What's another one we can do here? Would you, uh, oh, we're not going to get this controversial. Would, <laughs> would you, I'll, I'll just say it. Would you rather be a pilgrim at the first Thanksgiving or a Native American at the, at the first Thanksgiving? I'm going to say Native American. Oh. Because, uh, I, I just watched, uh, on Nat Geo, there's a, there's a, uh, made for TV movie, two part series on the pilgrim's journey, they lived through hell. Okay? And I think I think for the Indians, hell began after the Thanksgiving dinner. Whereas for the pilgrims, hell was before the Thanksgiving dinner. So Look at you. At that dinner, I'd rather be an Indian because I think they'd you'd be happier in that moment. Oh God, but then your future's so bleak. Uh-huh. That's a tough one. <laughs> and this is was given to a fourth grader. I mean, the pressure to answer these questions. <laughs> we'll do one more here. Uh, would you rather never celebrate Thanksgiving again or never celebrate Valentine's Day again? Valentine's Day. I would rather never ce- celebrate Valentine's Day again. Do you think that matches up with your wife's answer? I'm going to say yeah. Oh, I'm going to say, yeah, yeah, I think I know Charlene pretty well. And I mean, Valentine's Day is it's a nice date night, but she's never been the type that, you know, was upset about Valentine's Day not being the way she wanted it to be or, you know, Mm -hmm. that's good. I mean, and and look at the sentiment, you know, this one is one is Thanksgiving, you know, being thankful for the blessings in your life. And one is a conjured holiday that focuses on romantic love, which really is a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> now that I'm in a committed relationship with someone who I get and I'm a real partner with, I realize that romance <laughs> shit don't mean shit. That is the last thing that determines the longevity of a good relationship. Oh, we could spend another whole hour talking about that, but that'll be another time. Derek, thank you. Thanks, Justin. Happy, thanks, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm glad we did this. We'll do it again uh, when you're back, whenever that is, a year or less. I look forward to that. Sweet. Absolutely. Bam! Yay! 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 We did it! You got it!